0: Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode.
1: Here in the studio with you tonight, we've got Ian and Jay Noon. The Wall Street Journal reporting on what they're calling a revolt brewing in the English heartlands over cash. Debbie Hicks yelled into a microphone in a town square on a recent Saturday. Let's boycott the shops that won't take cash. Cool. Where are they? She says a few in the 200 strong crowd murmured some names, a coffee shop, a bakery. She said, okay, we can do this. It's not too late. Some 200 years after textile workers smashed newfangled looms here during the first stirrings of the industrial revolution, other rebels are worried about a newer technology tap-and-go bank cards, and smartphone payment apps. Actual cash changes hands in only around 15% of transactions in the United Kingdom. And I wonder, I find myself wondering, what is the percentage in the United States? And state by state, which states are the most, you know, cash-oriented states and which aren't?
2: I went to uh, Tractor Supply uh, like a week ago to buy about, uh, 50, it was 1500 and fifty two dollars or something worth of farm supplies fencing equipment mm-hmm. just bunch of stuff i needed for you know spring and getting things done and um <clears throat> the, the, i gave the uh girl the you know the money i counted it all out actually my daughter paid her uh, cypress she was in the in the wagon and i gave i given cypress the hundred dollar bills and she's handed mm-hmm. it to the cashier <laughs> and and the cashier um <clears throat> she counts them all out and she, she's got them all and she's looked at it and she has it all there and she like counts it again and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm nervous. I've never saw this much money before Whoa. or I've never handled this much money before is what she said. And she, she goes, sometimes people, you know, spend like a lot of money, but uh, it's always on a card. And uh, so, but, and then when she typed it into the computer, <clears throat> she was like, probably, I don't know, in her early twenties, she typed in the, you know, one, five, five, two or whatever it was, point, whatever. Oh no! Uh, it was yeah. I gave her fifteen hundred and fifty dollars, was just a couple dollars shy of that the total bill. And she wanted to make sure that I could verify that she put the correct thing into the basically the you know it's not even a you know cash register anymore, but you know it's a keyboard and a computer screen, right. and then it's a you know cashier's a drawer. drawer underneath. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, she had to call the manager um she told the manager she was scared to have so much money in her drawer i i was wow, like wow
1: that's crazy yeah
2: i, I was kind of shocked you know she had a bunch of bunch of piercings and you know her hair was two different colors and mm-hmm. you know she was, had a bunch of tattoos too but i mean just you know a young uh, i don't know victim of you know public school or something i'm not really sure but she was v- like had no confidence like she was like clearly scared that i gave her so much money Wow, and
1: I, I, I it kind of shocked me a little bit Probably thought you were a drug dealer or something like that. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. Uh, They say it's about 15% of transactions in the UK pushed out by the speed and convenience of using a card or phone. In parts of London, cash has become something akin to a prison currency, like ramen noodles or cigarettes circulated among panhandlers or those on the margins of society. An unlikely coalition (laughs) warns that by giving up cash, people could be losing more than they bargained for. Banknote printers have pooled resources to fund academic studies to demonstrate how cash is an important piece of infrastructure. Simon Yule at Positive Money, a London nonprofit focusing on financial inclusion, says cash is inherently democratic. By going card-only, bars and restaurants are trying to pull in what they see as the right kind of customer, usually younger and more affluent, he said. They're sending a signal about who's welcome and who's not. I'd love to comment on that just a little bit. Of course. So, uh, we
2: were out doing some court paperwork today and filed some stuff at the courthouse, had a babysitter, so my wife and I went on a date to the Red Arrow. Oh,
1: I love that Red Arrow. Twenty. Well, once upon a time, 24-hour diner, it is no longer since oh, COVID.
2: Oh, okay. Sadly. Exactly. Uh, well, I, I like that place because you can get, you know, the curd cheese in your omelet there because they serve uh, poutine, which is, you oh, know, okay. the Quebec, you know, French fries, gravy, and cheese. I don't get that. But anyways, um, <clears throat> So one thing I I think that's really rude to do to waitresses is people will like, you know, pay for their meal on a card and then they take the card and they add the waitress like a... Like I, I see some people just do like the whatever seven percent with a calculator. You know, like, you know, put it right to the penny. Seven
1: percent. You know, you know, whatever it is, that's you know. cheap,
2: right? Or some people, and and, fifteen and, is and,
1: your is kind of the standard, but twenty is what people uh, you know then, who and, know the business typically give,
2: right? And then some people, you know, give like a more generous, you know, 10, 15 or twenty dollar yeah. tip, you know, on their card.
1: Yeah, that and, hurts them.
2: And and, and, and I kind of think them. that's like a hate crime against waitresses.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I have cash in my wallet specifically to to leave as a tip. I have done uh, paid a bill with a card but then tipped in cash because I always tip in cash. Yep. I don't want to, like you're saying, like it's a hate crime to the, the person <laughs> yeah. to not give them cash. You reminded me of another uh, story, another New Hampshire story. Bonnie and I were out at, uh, we were in Manchester. It was during the Liberty Forum this year. And I had permission to be out from my probation to go to Manchester to do that. That was nice. Uh, that me. event. And uh, we went to a Thai restaurant on the recommendation of actually my probation officer <laughs> and it has turned out to be pretty good. Um, and we're there and uh, you know, I'm, I do what I normally do, which is I like to ask the waiter. It puts cash down for the tip on the, on the table and I, I get the gold back out. And I always ask the person before I give a gold back away, which for listeners that don't know, it's an actual piece of gold. It's one, one thousandth of an ounce of gold. Very, very beautiful. You should look it up if you're not familiar with it. But I always like to ask first, because I don't want to just give somebody something if they don't value right. it. So I say, hey, do you like gold? So they go, oh, gold back. He, so he knew what it was that I was going to give him. I said, oh, you've already seen, you've seen this before. He says, oh, yeah, one of our other customers came in and gave me one last week or whatever it was. So it's like somebody had already beaten me to it, which is just a nice like New Hampshire story because there's enough freestaters and Liberty people out there going to businesses doing the same thing that you're doing, right? Like getting the word out about these uh, independent currencies to people so i didn't even have to like you know pave the way somebody had already been there they'd already done it for me and so yeah he was already into it so i left him the gold back and he was really happy about it so interesting thing i uh
2: two days ago i get a phone call from a farmer up here in uh, new hampshire and i've mm-hmm. been dealing with him for like the past three years i've bought hay off him i've bought uh some uh, cows off him and some equipment and he's like hey i'm gonna make hay next week and he goes you're the first guy i'm calling he goes would you trade me or he goes, you want to pay me in those gold things that you showed me? Mm. And uh, I go, you mean the gold back? He goes, yeah. He goes, he goes, I got one here in my wallet. He goes, the first day I met you, he goes, you gave, you just gave it to me. You go here, check this out. He goes, I found it the other day and I had to explain to my grandson what it was. Mm. He says, and, we're, and uh, he goes, I'm going to bail some hay next week. And he goes, would you give me one gold back per bale of hay? Goes, Absolutely. Okay. And he wants me to pay him all in gold backs for like Sweet. a couple hundred bales of hay. I'm gonna go a little trailer load of hay from him.
1: That's awesome. Yeah.
2: And he brought it up. Yeah, he totally well he yeah. said basically he all he says usually the first phone call, whoever he calls, just buys all of his hay that he makes. He only I makes a couple, you know, he does like a eight acre field or a twelve acre field. Okay. not big. And um so anyways, uh and, and it's far away from his farm, so he doesn't want to haul it all back home and, mm-hmm. and and if we just pick it up the field it works out well for him. And uh, he just he just really like the gold mm. and he's just like he's, thinking about it and he's like 72 <laughs> years old he's got like 14 grandkids yep. and, and and well he's also the same guy i've been telling him to tell his tell his uh <laughs> I, I told him to tell his kids that he's cutting them all out of the will And giving the whole farm and everything to the church, unless he gets his, unless his kids get the grandkids off the internet devices, because the internet devices are destroying the kids. And he's like, he's like,
0: you're right. All
2: all, all the kids are doing is he goes, they're getting their thumbs fat. He's like, I, I, he goes, they're like little crackheads having withdrawals when their mothers dump them off here to go stack hay, because I won't allow the phones on my farm. Oh yeah, can't stack hay if you're on your phone. So, but he's like, and I've been talking. He don't want to hear anything about Bitcoin because it requires Mm -hmm. a phone. This guy hates the internet so wow. much because he, he just sees what it's doing to his, yeah, to his, sure. to, to his DNA, you know. These restaurants are going to go cashless. I'm sure there's like some kind of like, you know, percentage of your ESG score might go up with the on, on the financial side like, you you know, because they want everybody to have like a what's social, the
1: ESG stand for? Uh, I see it all uh, over and I never environmental
2: remember. social governance score. Uh, yeah, so that like,
1: probably is something newer. I know years ago we reported on Visa was incentivizing businesses they were saying hey if you go all cashless we'll give you ten thousand dollars or whatever but it was it wasn't every business it was you'd be entered into a contest and then like a few businesses would get ten thousand dollars or something like that okay yeah so So, yeah they weren't doing like a big giveaway it was just Mm -hmm. but that was one way they were trying to incentivize
2: but so these banks from on up are incentivizing so the bank's incentivizing you know the the chain of um you know how, how valuable is it if you have a chain of um say uh chipoltes i don't know was a few thousand of those that's got to be yeah you know, i don't know it's a huge chain so so if you're whoever you're doing your banking with is going to be like hey um you know if, if you agree to only go cash mm. and then and so the bank right. probably thinks of they it they could I mean, lower ca- the yeah. rates
1: they could they could say hey we're you're we're charging you 2.9 percent every transaction but if you go only cash we'll drop it to 2.8 percent or 2.7 uh, they or something could go
2: like zero that. because you because what's worth all the money they could even give them a kickback we're going to give you 0.5 percent back we're going to give you 0.1 percent back because what's worth all the money is all of the data uh that is basically harvest that is available for harvest by that financial transaction so now you want to like you really want to get uh you can you imagine if adolf hitler had this technology and it was Mm -hmm. illegal to hide jews and all the algorithm would have to do is say hey there is the this you know our census report says that there's a family of six that lives in that house." But that family of six is consuming more like a family of nine of food. Mm-hmm. So we need to go look, you know, look there and, uh, oh, th- these people bought the ingredients to, you know, make a bread that, you know, is um, uh, whatever that bread is that when people celebrate certain Jewish holidays, for example. Or they bought, you know, this kind of um, stuff and they're going to make, mm-hmm. a, you know, some kind of religious related, just plug in religion that's illegal, um, you know, kind of thing. So, so the metadata is far more valuable Probably than I mean, the actual I see what financial saying, transaction. I, uh,
1: I mean, banks, that's how they make their money, right? Sure. Like they're not going to just give you now no they have, fees. For now they have data to sell.
2: I mean, that's how Google makes its money, right? getting data
1: i guess yeah, yeah but you're giving <laughs> banks too much credit i mean banks aren't like the most um with it companies they're old right they're slow they're kind of stupid well, the problem is is the banks are all going to be
2: gobb- gobbled up probably by big tech one way or another and you i think could, so yeah i just think so or or, or vice versa the banks are going to gobble up big tech but they're basically going to be all in bed together mm-hmm. um as this technology grows because um, well, so now big tech knows that the bank, you know, knows that they can probably get this data. I believe the data is really valuable. And also it's a huge incentive. If you could give an incentive of, you know, a half a percent back to the, um, to, to the vendor to go, to guarantee, go cashless, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be a huge incentive
1: and, uh, they just want to track trace and database. Everybody's really the bottom line. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, I think they can accomplish those things by giving them a discount, Getting yep. them on board and then they get the they get the money and they get the data. They would get both in that case. Uh, so they're talking about the World Economic Forum as their motivation. These are the people that are advocating for uh, cash to people continue using cash. They said that during the pandemic, uh, World Economic Forum discouraged people from using physical money and they called lockdowns a dummy run for establishing world government. And I think they're probably right about that. We mm-hmm. talked about that here on Free Talk Live during that time. Uh, Hicks was fined for a public order offense last year after filming in a hospital to prove that the pandemic, she said, was faked. She denied the charge, saying she was exercising her right to freedom of expression. We know they're pushing the idea of the central bank digital currency, a.k.a. the CBDC. That's something that some places are already uh, seeing coming out. The United States hasn't approved it yet, but they are in the experimentation phase with the idea of the CBDC, which of course would give the government total uh, control over everybody's money or the government currency. I but heard a nice theory on this uh, thing really? possibly collapsing. Uh, yeah, it was
2: actually uh, the, the guy to give credit to is Howie Carr. I was listening to him on, on a drive oh, God. over. And. Uh, <clears throat> He's all right, and so I, 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 you know, he's I, just I, a Republican. Sure, sure, he is, but he's very much against this, you know, CBDC thing. Yeah, until the and, Republicans
1: are the ones who implement it, then he'll be fine
2: with and, it. And uh, but, uh, but actually, now that I'm think, now that I'm talking about it, it, I believe it was a commercial for like investing in like a gold something. But anyways, mm. they were talking about they had he was reading some report how some like, you know, internet security blockchain expert was saying how the Fed coin. The like the blockchain technology is so weak because first off because it's centralized and they would only have to uh, compromise a couple of these few centralized servers that would like run this uh, platform and he was basically saying how it would be like a very easy for like the computers to like hijack it and steal everybody's money and like get in there and do that. I just Who's thought, com- like we talking about hackers or something. Hackers or- going in and stealing because they would be able to. Uh, because once the whole system... about on a CBDC? Yes, FedCoin he was talking about, CBDC. No, like, or... no,
1: it would be just centrally uh, controlled. So, I mean, even if the hackers could get in there and move money from one account to another, then the central manager could just come in and undo it. And, well, basically what he was saying is that it
2: would be... What this report was saying is it would be very easy to hack. Now, you're saying... It probably
1: it... would be because it's a government system, so and, it'll probably be easy to hack. And,
2: yeah. and and I just think it would be hilarious if like all the people who... like. You know, I just aren't learning how to, like, you know, trade outside the system that don't care, that just go and do their slave jobs and they just pay their taxes and, you know, just sit home and watch TV and, mm-hmm. you know, not really pay attention to what's going on. You know, it's mostly like the parasite class people. So basically all these people who essentially, you know, work in government and like probably couldn't get a job anywhere else um, <laughs> unless government existed. Mm-hmm. If Like if like everybody- Joe Biden. Uh, yeah, pretty much like everybody that works in Ron government, DeSantis. maybe except for like the guys who like pave the road and plow, you know, because yeah. uh, I still want the roads uh, plowed me too. Uh, in the wintertime. And if and if the government can't pay them, well, I'm going to I'm going to go offer yeah, somebody will Uh, and, and they're going to get paid. I'm sure me and all my neighbors would love yeah. to give them, you know, one percent of our annual property tax bill that we used to pay, to, you know, uh, to make. And these guys would be getting paid better uh but when it all you know if it all collapsed because it was a centrally controlled financial system um and i could see that CBDC sensor is absolutely unlimited you know amount of money could be pumped into it from what i understand it could just keep on just generating this stuff Um, well it can
1: do that today that doesn't uh, change anything
2: yeah i but i think it could hyperinflate. but if it just got to the point to where it was just like got hacked and destroyed and everybody and all the like these people you know all the government people basically were very reliable on this system and a lot of people don't work in government mm-hmm. um i think yeah, the would,
1: corporations are going to be on board I,
2: I yeah i think like a massive collapse like that which is it's just going to do society so good because we you know bad times make for strong men and sure. I, I could tell you right now there's less strong men than there's ever been no uh. doubt, no doubt. <laughs> I, no,
1: I think you're right that uh, since it will be a centrally controlled government system, it will be subject to hacking. Very vulnerable from what I There's no, doubt, of, there's no I understand. doubt about that. I don't think that it will be uh, you know, the disruptive. end of the world. It'll be disruptive as hell, but it won't be the end of that system. They won't be able to – like, if you think you're going to hack the central bank digital currency system and get something out of it besides destroying it, I think you're wrong about that because if, if all your goal is is to take money out of the central bank's account and put it into your own this account – This kind of sounded like what they were talking they're gonna about. They're going to undo right. that, and like as soon as they detect that something's gone wrong, they're just going to oh oh – hit the undo button and then you know hit the reset button go back to yesterday or whatever that's no problem it's just a central database but if their goal is to actually take down the central bank digital currency then they could do that and it may be out for you know a day it could be a week could be a month who knows who knows what kind of damage could be done to that and then the question becomes what do the people do if they've gotten rid of cash at that point I'm sure you've seen these videos where they go around. They ask Gen Z young people, like, you know, what's the uh, what's the capital of yes, the United yep, yep. States or whatever. And They can't answer the question. Yeah, right, or right, They can't answer it's just like the most basic questions. Sometimes they'll they're, ask. They're sad. Those videos. Yeah, they really are. And sometimes they'll ask questions like, "How many dimes are there in a dollar?" Oh, <laughs> and they don't. No. Yeah, uh-huh. they don't know what a nickel is they don't know what a dime is they think it's you know bag of weed or something like yeah, that yeah, right yeah. i mean they have no idea now i'm sure there's still some young people that understand this but the question is how many of them are like the kids that you see in these videos where they cannot tell you how many quarters are in a yeah. dollar
2: Oh, a lot of and so you know where most kids like my generation kind of like learned about dollars and cents and money is you know it was uh like in, I don't remember how, but I do remember being in first grade, being six years old, mm-hmm. and I do remember paying cash for my lunch in school. Okay, I remember that. Um, I and all through high school, you know, like so in first grade it was under a dollar, and in high school it was like three bucks. Okay, you know, for lunch and i thought three dollars was ridiculous when it went to three dollars but you know i that's because i didn't you know my mom or my dad bought the food not me i didn't know what food was worth yeah um but actually it's just dirt cheap anyways uh, it was dirt cheap back then but uh i was talking to someone about four or five years ago and uh about their kids or something in school and she's like oh darn she got a text message she goes ah i gotta re-up my kids um lunch account uh, a food account Mm -hmm. so the kids basically got a a a school id card yeah and you know it's on a lanyard and it's around his neck or whatever or in his backpack and if he doesn't have that he don't get lunch
1: they were doing fingerprints at one point jay in some in some school districts
2: so so now so basically when you take yeah i believe it uh when you yeah 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 to okay they did that Uh, yeah you're not gonna lose your
1: fingerprint right right so they were doing by bi- the training kids for biometric uh, yep. id i mean this was back probably in the early aughts late 90s or something like that i remember when i was in high school it was a code yep. you'd, you'd give a code number to authorize payment from okay you know, whatever I, that system was yeah i
2: don't remember that but yeah. uh and, and also so like like my, my kid my daughter like i sold someone some meat a couple, a couple weeks ago and i'm like collect the money cypress count it and you know and she went through it and we g- mm-hmm. gave the gave the girl her change and Every time I'm somewhere, I let her pay or you know That's whatever good. because I want her to understand this. And she and my, actually she does understand the difference between dimes and quarters and nickels. I don't think she, she would tell you there's twenty nickels in a dollar dollar, but she knows there's four quarters in a dollar. That she probably puts that. her
1: ahead of a lot of twenty year olds, right? And
2: she's three. <laughs> and, but you know I don't use any cards. You know and, and I yeah. don't and and the thing is is whatever example you set. But so it sounds like you know. And then another thing too, I've I've seen with kids, I've seen this with um when I was out in Colorado, all these guys I worked with, all their kids had their own debit card. Mm-hmm. now now, mm-hmm. when i was a little kid i can remember i don't know i'm gonna uh go off with my buddies we're gonna go bike riding i'm like eight or nine years old hey my, my dad's like you got 20 bucks on you make sure you got 20 bucks here just put in, it in your sock right. yeah whatever mm-hmm. it, make sure you got a quarter so you can call me or, right. or a couple of dimes and, and uh you know uh, finding a payphone these days and, and, <laughs> right and, and he and, and my dad would be like you you're going with your three buddies like, these guys got any money? Anybody got any money? Where are you mm-hmm. going? And you just make sure we had enough money, we could eat some food or something. Sure. You know, and, and, and today they're giving the kids a card.
1: Gigi called in with an interesting Supreme Court decision, uh, Gigi on the line in South Carolina, and you were just kind of recapping this decision that was a nine to zero, which pretty rare, especially on a politically, you know, divided court. Nine that's to zero. Sure. Uni- unanimous decision. Let me just recap this. and You correct me if I got anything wrong, Gigi. An old lady who's now 94 years old.
3: No, 95, sir.
1: Okay, well, that's what it says here in the Reuters report. But anyway, oh, this okay. uh, elderly woman uh, was kicked out of her home because she She didn't...
3: was evicted. Yep. Legally, the word is evicted.
1: Yep, she uh, was not paying the property tax, maybe because she couldn't afford it, because, you know, it's expensive, and That's right. and uh, the city, or the, rather, the uh, the county that houses Minneapolis decided they were going to what they call tax sale the house. And Jay, you can probably relate to this story. Oh Yeah, um, I got a personal hey, experience.
3: Line, they threw her out of her home.
1: Yes, and then they sold it to somebody else. They took in like sixty grand or something like that, and. And apparently she had, quote-unquote, owed $50,000 in... She
3: owed 60000 mm. The SCOTUS report states, based upon Chief Justice Roberts writing the opinion for the court, 60000 was owed. However, she was legally entitled to a minimum of $25,000 because it could have... Sh- uh, depicted her in good faith attempting to make payments towards back property taxes as opposed to throwing her out
2: yeah this this old lady just couldn't pick enough cotton for master mm-hmm. and uh, that the truth and you know she wasn't able to produce enough energy so
1: they took what what the probably the last thing this, this she really had right yeah, yes, probably. Now the numbers here are a little different in this story, uh, Gigi. It, it says that it was forty thousand dollars is what they got for the auction of the house, and then they claimed that the older lady owed uh, fifteen thousand. So that remained. They gave twenty five thousand dollars after the quote unquote tax debt was paid back because that's the alleged reason they steal people's property is oh well you you owe us you owe us this arbitrary amount of money that we've been you know stealing from you for years and so therefore since you won't pay we're just going to take the most valuable thing in your life you know besides your kids or whatever we're going to take your house from you sell it at an auction
3: is notorious for auctioning people's not just the house but the contents in the sure. house as well.
1: Yeah, no, you don't get anything for that, I don't think, out of this process. It's just whatever the house goes for, then they're supposed to give, in most places, they're supposed to give the previous owner whatever the remainder is That's after... Right.
3: and Chief Justice Roberts said she should have been given a minimum of 25000 that could have enabled this lady to make payments towards getting her home back and living somewhere.
1: Well, it would have helped her, I'm sure, to get the 25000 But the interesting thing here... And Gigi, thanks for bringing this up here. I appreciate you calling in about this well, tonight. Well, I
3: learned about it from this program many months ago. This story? Yes, sir. Uh-oh. One evening, I was listening to the program and it was being reviewed and discussed on this show. Interesting.
1: I must not have been on that.
2: So night when I heard about the
3: verdict today... I remembered. Hey, oh, I first learned about this on Free Talk Live.
2: Because one of the you know fundamentals of, of American you know our, this republic that you know the founding fathers created that uh, we all own our land and it's ours. But the problem is is you know sometime in the nineteen you know thirty nine all the private properties got put on a tax rolls because in nineteen thirty two the government went bankrupt. Uh, at the Geneva Convention, FDR filed bankruptcy on behalf of the United States Corporation, and all of these municipal corporations, calling themselves City of Keene, Town of Henniker, whatever, all essentially became tax collection—you know—became debt collectors to pay off this bankruptcy debt, and um, all these somehow all these properties got some kind of lien uh, on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually went down this rabbit hole pretty hardcore in Hampden County, Massachusetts. Every single property in a little village of Thorndike, Massachusetts, in a little village of Bondsville, Massachusetts, Bondsville is where my house was, where you guys came down to yep. that, that day a decade ago. I remember. Um, and uh, every single piece of property for two days in 1939 in the uh, archives going down in the basement of the of the deed hall, um, we, we researched a bunch of this, it was owned by, uh, it was called um, Bondsville Realty Company, and then in where my dad's farm was, that was Thorndike, uh, that w- that property was owned for two days. A grantor deed was granted to Joseph Fury Esquire, who was a lawyer, who mm-hmm. had a law firm in town that day. And he was also uh, had something to do with Bondsville Realty Corporation, which mm-hmm. Bondsville Realty Corporation was granted uh, the deed to my house. Um, and then two days later, there was a deed from the Bondsville Realty Corporation to uh, something O'Connor was the guy's name. Uh, the same owner. Back to it, and so I started looking, and they got these uh, indexes. So I looked up uh, Joseph A. Fury Esquire. I remember this. I was like, "Wow, this guy owned every single property in town for two days." That's suspicious. How did that happen? This was yeah. 1939. Mm-hmm. So I had a. Uh, so I, 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 uh, the guy doing the research with me was this uh old Mexican dude, really cool guy. He was really into history and research. He worked for the county, and he worked in that archives apartment mm-hmm. he's like wow this is amazing oh well, you how, how could this happen you know how could the same and he there's just no starts, way he could be yeah. that wealthy there's well, no way that one guy it, could just
1: so, come in there and buy everything up
2: right so uh, so this particular thing on my dad's farm that was joseph F- fury esquire got granted the property for two days in 1939 and then it was granted back i said to the uh I, so i bring it upstairs you know a copy of it, and i go hey what's this uh document how, how, how did this happen and they go oh that's a mortgage they said yeah that's a lien on a property i'm like oh okay Yeah, they probably got some kind of mortgage i'm like all right let's let's find the mortgage mm-hmm. let's find the lien and so the lady's like oh no problem we'll do that and well, we really can't find this this lien the, the, you know the you know this this mortgage and there's really no mortgage reference it just went from uh, like there's elements missing so I, I set up a date with the actual uh, registrar of deeds. His name was um, Ash. I can't remember his. Okay. Name. A- Ash is like a Western Mass crime family. Like his hmm. his cousin or brother yep. is the sheriff, and they're all politically connected. Mm-hmm. And they all good old boys. Yeah, and they're accused mm-hmm. about running drugs with the state police and the whole nine yards. And you know, you know, yep, it, it's all you know. Towing and wrecking companies I help the cops out. I mean, it's just, you know, everywhere, like where you grow up, you just learn who all the criminals are, you know, sure. and, and, and it's just, anyways, the Ash family, you know, the one guy runs the jail, the other guy runs the um, deed hall. Yep. And uh, so uh I'm supposed to, Donald J. Ash is the guy's name. I'm supposed to have a meeting with him. So I go to have the meeting and they're like, oh no, you don't have a meeting. He's out of the office today. And I'm like, oh, can we reschedule a meeting?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And they're like, I'm like, when's he next available? And they're like, uh, We'll call you when he's available. I go, No, oh, just boy. I I go, You probably have an opening, right? And I, can we just schedule a meeting? And then uh I have two now this is in like the fourth floor of the courthouse. Yep. you know, where where we're like that Deeds Hall thing is and you know, superior court and whatever courts are downstairs, Springfield Mass, um the uh, courthouse there. And uh so all of a sudden, like I'm talking to this lady and she's kinda like and then I, I, I hear uh excuse me, Mr. Noon. And I'm like, oh, cool, Ash is here. I'm going to have a talk with him, right? Mm -hmm. And it's two uh, sheriff's deputies, and they're asking me to leave the building.
1: Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too. But finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So I produce the Daily Digest. Let's bring Major Payne back on the line in Michigan. Major, you had something you wanted to say about this whole cash uh, movement and or the di- uh, digital payments.
0: Well, not so much the digital payments. I guess they would be inclusive as far as it's part of the plastic empire. But um, th- this whole plastic thing is part of the dumbing down of America. It's a process that's been going on for decades. Mm-hmm. I've been watching it like you know, a fish can't get out of the bowl to its tax. Tack- fly he wants you know Mm -hmm. but um they uh most people live paycheck to paycheck better than 50 percent of the populace of this country that's correct you know and so once you get into that credit card debacle especially if you can't you know you you violate their original code and go from seven cent seven percent to 27 percent or whatever you know you are, you're just a cow they ain't got to feed that they get the milk every day.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, there's a huge problem with debt in this country, and the credit cards, you know, that's probably one of the number one issues that, that people have. They don't know uh, if they have them, they don't really know how to use them uh, responsibly, and that's what they count on. They count on people being irresponsible and then being able to, as you say, milk them for the rest of their lives for those yeah. interest payments. Well, I, I,
0: I, when I was a very young warthog, like six, eight years old, I got a very rude reckoning on what the system can do to you. Hmm. I had been scrounging pop bottles for a whole summer, okay? okay? And finally had enough to fill up my little red wagon. So I drug it over to the corner store there called the Big Top. cheap, just like a circus tent. Okay. It was a cool place. But anyway, so it was two cents a bottle, right? The very next day, it went to a nickel.
1: Whoa. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you talk
0: about a little kid feeling, feeling screwed. I think I got like $2.85 with Damn. The next day and a $10 bill. Could have been,
1: yeah. Bummer.
2: I used to collect cans all the time. I, I We would go to horse auctions when I was a little kid, and I would take a piece of bailing twine, and I would take the top of the can and just kind of bend it up like a 90 degree, mm-hmm. and I would take the bailing twine. It was just you know plastic twine or sizal twine, and I would just keep on putting cans through this bale and twine and just huh. drag them around. And then I would, you know, throw them in a the gooseneck at a horse trailer. And I can remember ha- having like, um, just huge pile of cans and getting like, you know, hundred bucks for it, you know, like filled up a, a trailer, you know, after like, you know, several months of this. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I did a lot of that as a
1: kid. Major uh, anything, so anything else you want to share?
0: The whole paper thing, it teaches you responsibility. And when you got to crack that last 100 dollar bill in your wallet it actually gives you physical pain that yeah. you're not going to feel when you hand over that piece of plastic
1: yeah, and that that kind of comes back to what I was saying the guy from Goldback was pointing out about younger people these days who've never paid in cash. They've never had the experience of having to crack that last 100 or 20 or whatever it is that uh you know never seen uh, their money emptying out of their wallet. They've never felt the experience of actually exchanging something mm-hmm. to receive goods back. Uh, they don't have that experience, and I think that that's what the uh, the system promoters, the World Economic Forum, the big governments, the central banks—they're counting on that. They're counting on young people having zero experience with cash, so that once older folks uh, pass away, they're going to be able to pull cash out of the economy. And, I think. And the best
2: thing I like about cash is the responsibility aspect of it. You lose that cash, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if someone steals it from you, it's gone. If you, you know, but the credit card or the debit card you drop that thing you lose that um you know you just go ask your mother for another one when you're a young kid and that's that's another thing i've i've noticed is you know i have definitely have had parents that have teenagers that be like oh jimmy lost his debit card again i've had to get him like six of them you know in the past year
1: let's talk to Perry in California Perry you're on free talk live with the NJ
4: thank you very much um what i wanted to say is First of all, uh, the lady was ninety five. You said, right?
1: Ninety four. Now uh, she was uh, yeah. probably eighty six well, at the it, time it really that she matter. had her house stolen.
4: In my opinion, it doesn't matter what age she is. I think that the people that were involved in in, in kicking her out of her home should be in jail. And and the thing is, you see, you see. Problem uh, is, they run the jail. Uh, our whole system. Well, that's it. That's yeah. what I was just going to say. That the FBI, the CIA, all these, uh, the higher echelon, they're, 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 they should be in jail. This whole thing, our, we have tyranny now. It's been going on for many years, but mm-hmm. we're now. I mean, we got strong tyranny now in America. It's 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 um, you can you can't even make this stuff up, but uh, it's like everything's backwards. And yes. we're allowing this to happen right before our own eyes. Yeah. Look I, at the riots. So look at the, Now this guy that's 18 years—they're going to give him 18 years. You said, right? Oh
1: yeah. Uh, uh, Stuart guy, Rhodes from I'm... the uh, Oath Keepers, 18-year sentence. But
2: but meanwhile, yeah. None of Ghislaine Maxwell's um, clients uh, have been indicted or investigated. Oh. There was just a whole report I, I listened to a few days ago about how uh, the FBI, as soon as uh, you know, Pete O'Biden came in. Uh, they just, you know, dumped the entire uh, Clinton um, investigation. They destroyed all the evidence. You know, I guess they were, you know, doing some investigation on the Clintons, and then investigation on Hunt- Hunter Biden was working on of, you know, and I guess just, this just all came about, you know, recent few days.
4: Yeah. Well, well, you see, in in my opinion, uh, uh, they didn't even go after all the writers that were literally killing cops and burning down buildings and and car lots and everything else they were they were uh, doing they were destroying cities like you wouldn't believe
1: oh you're talking about uh, uh, like it, in Minneapolis where uh, people were burning buildings down in 2020 yeah,
4: all over yeah they did it all over the country and uh, the thing is uh, They were leaning toward the left, but they wanted everything free. You know, they said they should have all welfare, food stamps, like they're going to do all these 25 million uh, aliens that are coming in through the border, you know, that Biden's allowing in. Biden's not allowing uh,
1: people in the border. He's he's cracking down just like uh, Donald Trump did. I mean, it's basically a continuation uh, well, of it. I mean, that's just basically conservative talking points that you're sharing there. But your point about the no, well, riots— Well, the
4: last thing is that what, what, what he's doing, what, what they're going to do is— uh, See, see they, they've lost some Democrats even because they're waking up to what's going on about big government— and the thing is, is that they're going to have those people, because 40 states are going to give them driver licenses, they're going to let them vote. See, Democrat, because they're going to all... See, well, here's the thing. This right is now, the problem where the the right-wingers get it wrong, Perry.
1: Well, you can thing. get to your one more they're, thing they're here in a moment, our, but the, the problem with the what the right-wingers get wrong here, as far as immigration is concerned... A lot of those immigrants are conservatives. A lot of uh, a lot of people from Mexican are culturally, or Mexico are culturally conservative people. They they're Catholics. They've got family values. That whole thing.
4: I'm with you. I'm I I would allow people to come in like we were doing a million a year, but they're allowing now people that are terrorists. They've already caught terrorists. They've already caught caught gang members. They've already caught murderers. They've already caught. That's just fear mongering, man. This it's is just not, fear-mongering. No, this is not the way to do this. This is not the way to do no, this. No, the way the,
1: the way not to do things is to have a police state, and that's what that's what you're advocating for. You're advocating for a police no. state. On one hand, no, you can no, no, see wait a hold on now, Perry. On one hand, you can see how the police are doing the wrong thing when it comes to what's happening to Stuart Rhodes and the people on January sixth, but yet you want those very same cops to crack down on what is mostly peaceful people who are trying to come okay, here to make a minute. better life for themselves.
4: Okay, okay, wait a minute. Are you saying you want to still give them welfare and cell and No, cell sir, phones that shouldn't exist. No, these? I'm
1: against welfare.
2: All of health and human services needs okay. to be axed. So you said that you're concerned about someone wanting to basically murder somebody with fentanyl by dropping fentanyl into their drink.
4: Well, I'm, I'm not saying that'll happen. I'm saying it could happen. Okay, I mean, okay, I, I, but I, I just
2: want to tell you something. If somebody really wanted to do that, there is a product that they could go buy. I'm not going to say what it is. I'm not going to say where you can go get it. But they could go get it tomorrow at 7 a.m. in the morning right here in Keene. And they could take uh, a half ounce of this product and they could drop it in a particular beverage. And they, that guy could drink that particular beverage, not even taste it, not even know what happened. And he will die an agonizing, painful death. Hmm. And and this particular product that you could buy at a store, um, a gallon of it costs $20 and you know a half ounce of it will kill you. And uh, I'm not going to say what it is on the air because, you know, I don't want to give any ideas. But and then the other thing I want to make is how do you help drug dealers? Well, if we look at the Kensington Street, Philadelphia videos where these people are walking around, it looks like a, you know, a a a days from The Walking Dead. How do you help those people? How are those people getting drugs? They have an EBT card, electronic benefits transfer provided to them by the Pennsylvania Department of Health and Human Services, mm-hmm. along and also subsidized by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. If those EBT cards did not work anymore, those people would not be able to just spend their several hundred dollars a month that they get on whatever on their drug of choice. They, they would be done. Uh, and maybe a no, bunch of them... they find a way. W- well, maybe
1: they will <laughs> find a, a way. Will, there's a but, way.
2: But, it, but if you're that They'll start robbing,
1: out, they'll start stealing, whatever you, they got to do. You see the
2: condition of these guys? They couldn't rob ah, that's anybody, point. right? If they walked up to me or you, we could just break them in half. I mean, literally. <laughs> Push them over. And the thing yeah. is... And, and, and then, yeah, well, that's why you shouldn't be anywhere near Philadelphia or Kensington, because when a system collapses and all the crackheads can't get their money and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the heroin addicts and the dopers, um, <clears throat> they're... Uh, because... All the people that uh, in Manchester, you know, that are using all the drugs and the drug encampments there. So there's definitely some homeless people. And then you got some straight up drug addicts that are just, you know, they're made comfortable enough by all the offerings of health and human services. Right. So you see these like Venice Beach videos where they go interview the guy who's like tattooed from head to toe. And he's just like, yeah, man, I got $600 a month. I get wake up in the morning, get out of my tank, go get high, go over there and, and they feed
1: me. Mm-hmm. The,
2: the city got got three. Three meals for us a day right out there. California is great, man. I used to live sure. in you know, some cold city. Yeah, you got to change the
1: incentives. Yep. That's, uh, that's definitely
2: that's true. That's how you stop drugs. You stop giving money to people to buy them. But so, as long as
1: drugs are illegal, you're still going to have
5: uh, and, serious And you problems. have to
1: make them, uh, you have to remove the prohibitions, and you have to stop right. with the welfare. Right. Let's try Derek in Nashville. What's on your mind tonight?
5: All right. So, um, so probably got about three topics, but uh, first... Well, we may only uh, have time
1: for one, so pick your most important one.
5: All right. Um, Well, if you can put me in touch with uh, Sheriff uh, Hathaway out of Santa Cruz County, that would be the most important thing. I think the best way
1: to reach him would be to contact the sheriff's office down there.
5: Yeah, I've done that multiple times. No response. Well, maybe Um, you want
2: to tell the people about this guy, why, why you're trying to contact him.
5: Well, I'd like to make his, uh, his book on immigration into an audio book. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I've done about 30 libertarian, uh, audio books, um, over the last uh, 10 years. And I think his is one that would probably, you know, be very timely and very important. Um, Okay.
1: If you want to try uh, to send me an email, I can uh, forward it over to him. I mean, obviously I can't guarantee anything, but I can definitely do that. That sounds like a your, uh, a worthy what thing.
5: Your, hmm? What would be your uh, email? It's your ian
1: app. at freetalklive.com. How, how, how does free one...
5: Talk, um, easy. All yeah, right. Yeah, so, just send that over and just you know,
1: tell me what it's about and I'll get it over to him, okay?
5: Right on. What else? Um, so this... Uh, my God, you know, Stuart Rhodes being convicted and um, sentenced to yeah. 18 years. I That's can't
1: believe it. a death penalty for him, right? I mean, he's got to be coming up to 60 or somewhere on, around that range. And Ray
2: yeah. Epps is not even being charged.
5: <laughs> I, just, um, I mean, I'm, you know, my heart, honestly, uh, is just, uh, you know, broken for him and
1: you and Aria. And... Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, government tyranny going on out there. Stuart Rhodes, uh, let's see here. I was just trying to see if we could figure out how old this guy is because he doesn't look like a, a young pup. I mean, He's not in his 70s or anything like that. Uh, I'm not really sure. Well,
5: you know, I, I, I met him in person, and uh, I brought him to uh, speak um, at a uh, – seminar, um, before the, uh, 10th amendment center, oh,
4: okay. you know,
5: quite a, quite a while ago, you know, nullify now. Um, he is definitely not violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's never advocated violence and I just feel like he's being, wow, just railroaded.
2: Yeah. The, the amount of people that are going to jail that, you know, in this country, that have, uh, for these victimless crimes where, you know, there's no injury, there's, there's no one's legal rights have been, uh, you know, violated. There's no damage to property is absolutely absurd. And, uh, here in New Hampshire, uh, I, you know, in a couple of weeks my, my wife's being charged with some nonsense, but when we're done with this, we're going to do a major push to, uh, bring awareness to this, to how corrupt things are. And, Um, try to get something uh, done about these prosecutors who are maliciously prosecuting people constantly It's just business as usual. I mean, in every little town in America, it is happening everywhere. It is a major epic epidemic and there needs to be an awareness program of how evil and how rotten government is and and the kind of uh, stuff they're getting away with. And, uh, you know, um, because it's, it's really getting bad and, uh, you know, just literally all the stuff that is uh mentioned you know in a declaration of independence is like happening times like a hundred or a thousand you know in, in this country yeah, it's absolutely
1: insane. i mean they they had a an in, they had they declared independence over what it was a fraction of what was going yeah. on today so apparently jay there was a study that was done recently about tiktok which of course last i heard is the number one so-called social media app out there it is very, very popular, especially amongst younger people. And you have expressed in recent weeks on the show some, I think, legitimate concerns over uh, the addictive capacity of these, you know various different programs to get people hooked on uh, dopamine hits when it comes to getting on these platforms what uh, what did you learn recently so
2: this is uh, this youtube video uh, was on freedomsphoenix.com which is uh, one of my favorite news news aggregates uh, there is just a lot of really uh, good articles that are posted up there there is not really any nonsense there is no pop-up ads it's not an annoying website yeah yeah to deal with i really like it and um, it, and it was basically a youtube video and it's by a guy named um Uh, Well, the YouTube video is called Ban It, Neuroscience of TikTok. And the YouTuber is Zachary Cortex. And I'm just going to kind of rattle from memory what he was talking about. But basically the thing he was talking about is the part of the brain, uh, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, uh, that gets excited by TikTok Mm -hmm. and and Internet devices and social media and those kind of interactions um, is the same part of the brain that's excited by sex, Drugs, violence, and also the same part of the brain that lights up in fits of rage that becomes mm-hmm. stimulated during rage. Rage, and <clears throat> what he's talking about is the free, He starts talking about the frequency frequency of use of TikTok because basically that there is like metadata where you can see how often people are you know using this. And i I might have misquoted this, but I believe he said it was like seven to nine hours a day that American kids are on um, TikTok. Whoa, uh, which is insane. And but in my own research, as part of my you know lecture series on you know uh, investing in our posterity, I got a whole slideshow I'm uh, putting together. I'm hoping to premiere it at Pork Fest. We'll mm-hmm. see this court case thing we're doing, you know, put all that stuff on yep. hold. But uh, I you know, I have a whole slideshow presentation, uh, to, to um that's called Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Device Junkies, and I talk about uh internet addiction and the developing brains. And what happens to them in the science uh, when you let uh, under six year olds and as far as I'm concerned under, you know, prepubescent boys, even, you know, this stuff's wrecking them too. Uh, But anyways, uh, and in my studies, I found studies in 2016 that said the average uh, basically teenager in the United States is is on an internet device seven to nine hours a day.
1: That's crazy. How do you even have time for that?
2: Well, if you're like, well, so if you're a teenage, you know, if you're a a 13 year old, it's illegal for you to go get a job. Right. You know, a lot of these kids and and, and the thing is, is moms and dads have been using these Internet devices right along as pacifiers and babysitters. So a lot of these kids that are teenagers, you know, now or or this was, you know, seven years ago, this one particular study said seven to nine hours a day. Now, I don't know if that's like your average kid or if that's your average Internet using kid. Well, I mean,
1: um, what kids aren't on the internet these days? Besides your kids, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, no, there's
2: there's a there's a lot of kids I'm meeting that are are not on the really? internet. Yes, I'm surprised. There, by there's that. a movement happening. Like I, you know, um, like for example, there's a 22 year old kid that I did some equipment repair work with the other mm-hmm. day. Good looking kid, um, fit guy, smart. And I'm like, dude, you got a girlfriend? He's like, nah. He goes, all the girls my age are all on TikTok and uh, Snapchat and all this. And he goes, I'm not. He goes, they're all mentally damaged you know, because they're on, on, on these, um, he just started telling me this wow. stuff. Like I, we hadn't had a conversation about any of this stuff I've been, you know, researching right. and he just came out with this on his own. I was mm-hmm. like, Whoa. And I'm like, I was like, so relieved that this guy was like on top of it. Right. right. Um, but he's also a fitness guy and he understands like, you know, and he's, and, and he studies some psychology, you know, um, in, in college. But anyways, um, uh, so, so this, seven to nine hours and i'm pretty sure that's what he said in here but that certainly lined up with some studies uh that i have studied there was also a study from like 2018 i mean if
1: you think about it for a moment presuming most of these kids are at government school because most kids go to government school uh they're in there for what eight hours a day yep and typically if you're sleeping eight hours at night, maybe they're not, but if you're you know, sleeping six or eight hours, that leaves you with eight more hours. I guess that literally is every moment that they're not at school or changing classes at school or on the bus. To, I mean, basically every waking moment they have besides sitting in a class if they're not allowed on their phones in class, they're on the phone is what they're saying. Rob, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead.
4: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes. I, I just wanted to say to Jay that I'm going to do everything I can to be at that hearing you know because uh I'm june gonna, 1st you're you know, talking know, about his trial i don't know
1: you're talking about jay's wife's trial which is coming up june 1st
4: yeah, okay exactly you know because uh you know the people that are doing this okay are sick and disgusting yeah, The
1: prosecutors
2: you mean well like the police yeah. yes yep dcyf it, there's very gang. much discontent for these people
1: yeah, I hope there's a large turnout. It's going to be bright and early, uh, eight fifteen, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's what it's they said. Concord District Court. So if you're if you're in New England and you want to see an interesting, uh, I would call it an interesting show because I mean, anytime Jay's in front of a judge, it's, uh, it can be interesting. In this case, you're not the person on trial, though, Jay. You're going to be nope. up there, uh, accompanying your wife, who's the one that's facing the uh, charge of quote unquote child endangerment for yep. leaving her two year old, I think, in a car with climate control on, strapped into a car seat. For no more than fifteen minutes, a couple of years ago, or a year ago, or whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was uh, March of last year, March eighteenth, I think was yeah. the day. And uh, well, you know, it's an interesting thing. Is even in the in the uh, police narratives, the the police officer is like, officer, partner of mine, and I uh, uh, looked at the kids, and they appeared to be well taken care of and clean, <laughs> or something. I can't remember it all, but like, and uh, it, and so you'll get they, to ask yeah, them about. Oh that. yeah, they, they were comfortable. Um, you know, I could see the car was running, I could mm-hmm. see a little plastic bag that was on the seat blowing, so I knew the air conditioning was on, and I knocked on the window and it woke the young and it woke the juvenile up. <laughs> and uh but the juvenile appeared to be happy and uh the mother looks like she can take care of her children mm-hmm. is basically what the uh cop had to say and is like and, and, and it's just like uh case
1: closed essentially <laughs> you know? and it's
2: like it's like did the prosecutor actually read I don't know you know and and and, and you know and and this narrative statement it's like an application for warrant hmm. is basically what it, I meant to actually bring it with me tonight but I was just you know you know my, my brain was mushed by the time I you know got to head down how here is that
1: an it. application for a warrant
2: uh i I could bring up the PDF and sh- but it's basically that's what it is is this uh thing is an application. Essentially, for a warrant, it basically to what
1: break into the car and no take to a, uh, kid?
2: A, a, a warrant to a, arrest my wife. It was when they put an arrest warrant out for her.
1: I just I don't yes. understand how someone who wrote that document right. could then go on to apply for a warrant.
2: Well, that in that that's what he says in the document asking for the warrant. Because these guys are political pawns, you know, because <laughs> the police are being used by the people above them, mm-hmm. their superiors to literally commit crimes against malicious prosecution against people who, whoever they want. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and what's really interesting about this particular case, it is so inconsistently applied because there are a lot of people who have, uh, you know, their car, kid was in the car while they went and did something for a, a you know, a short time or whatever. And you know, that, well, how much time is too long? I mean, I don't know how you figure that out. But anyways, there's so many people that, you know, the cops get called on them and the cops come there and they're like, uh, what's going on? Oh, yeah. OK, somebody called. We had to respond. And then they just leave. Sure. Yeah, and, and it was the same thing. People right from Concord, the same police, Concord, New Hampshire police. Uh, department we talked to people that literally were like oh yeah my kids are in the car while i was in the store and the cop was basically like oh we got a report it's not against the law and it's not against the law there Mm -hmm. is no law you know against leaving your kids in the car and the thing is too is like you know anybody who you know is of a everybody remembers being in the car while their mom runs in the store or whatever like everybody's done it this is like you know sure uh, something has happened but just the just the um the blatant you know uh malicious prosecution that's happening here just what do they have on, to
1: prove for child endangerment what is I, the actual uh
2: you know, it's very elements vague that? the law's very vague so i did a motion to dismiss with the court that was sort mm-hmm. of a weak motion to dismiss i didn't really have it quite put together enough they never uh, work anyway but and um doesn't hurt to try well i've had them work before uh and and the real reason you want to do these motions to dismiss is to prepare everything for appeal because right. you want to just you know just stack everything in this appeals thing object yeah. to all the stuff they deny you know, really get it out there. So I did a motion to dismiss um, to the court. And then the judge denies the motion to dismiss. Well, in this motion to dismiss that the judge did as an order, which you read mm-hmm. one night, Ian, um, you didn't read it on the air, you just read it to yourself. The judge cites four court cases on how the court has jurisdiction in this matter. Three of the court cases he cites are about uh, children that were injured, whether, uh, so uh, two a kid, two children died and one children had, you know, broken bones or something that happened where a kid gotten busted up by like didn't you know, happen in this case a uh, a uh, 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 guy. And mm-hmm. then the fourth one they cited was U.S. versus Kritzner, which was a bank robbery.
0: You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and
4: more—all for free at FreetalkLive